Welcome to Gonzo Times Radio. I'm your host, Punk Johnny Cash. And I'm, I'm sorry, I won't be as sensational as I was with the, the first episode. There won't be as much, uh, uh, I guess, what's the word? Uh, tongue-in-cheek? There won't be as much of that in this episode. We're going to try to address something here. So, I have a larger piece of body of work that I'm working on. I guess you could say a, a hypothesis. I say hypothesis, hypothesis. Uh, and we're going to talk about uh, throughout the process of getting to my getting to my hypothesis. I have to lay some groundwork to show where I'm coming from. So I figured I, I had to look and find a kernel um, starting point. And I figured that the best starting point for now is to look at the thinkers that came before me and what they had to say, the people who influenced things, the scientists. In, in this case, oh, no, I left my, my glasses. In this case... This, we're looking at the standpoint of a social behaviorist, a sociologist, social theorist. He calls himself a social behaviorist in the book we're going to look at. And we're only going to look at a portion of this book for now. The book is by George Herbert Mead. Well, composed of George Herbert Mead's writings and teachings. Uh, the works of George Herbert Mead, volume one, Mind, Self, and Society, from the standpoint of a social behaviorist. So the first thing I want to talk about is 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 the mind in this. Uh, social problems interest me, but I have never been satisfied with the lack of addressing the root causes of those problems. Often, they're getting swept away by simple phrases that are just largely unexamined and reinforced by lifetimes of seeking confirmation, right? Like, despite evidence to any contrary. We're incredibly skilled at deceiving ourselves, and I am not exempt from this. So, for my starting point, I want to discuss social theory, sociology, and the need for a sociological imagination eventually. A sociological imagination is something that Mills talks about, and we'll probably do a full episode on that. We also need to understand what's going on. Some of you remember, like, there's an old discussion that is kind of a layman's discussion at this point. I heard it plenty growing up, especially in, in, in a more conservative Christian culture. There was the old phrase, nature versus nurture. There's an argument of nature versus nurture. Is it nature or is it nurture? I reject the phrasing of this as it reinforces some archaic myths, specifically about human nature, which I regard as an absolute myth at this point, uh, I regard human nature, the concept of human nature as a myth, and we'll, we'll get into why that is and why it's important uh, to kind of brush aside some of the, 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 the fables and fairy tales we tell ourselves. But myth has power, too. Imagination has power. Myth is made real through the social process. So just because something's a myth doesn't mean it can't be brought into reality just because we imagine these things doesn't mean we can't make them real we do that often but i'm not i'm not going to go there just yet we're going to we're going to start at the beginnings how do we get there religion is society's worship of itself it makes social norms a given society holy and to break from this it becomes the profane and sinful this is social control but to control society in what way? How do we make a myth reality? We'll get in depth with this, like I said, in future episodes. But for now, I want to talk about Mead. And Mead just talks about you know, symbols and gestures and significant symbols. Uh, 
I will first start off and tell you why I find Mead useful, and then I'm going to hit a few of his points that he made along the way. First off, Mead lays a uh, a psychosocial, <laughs> as he call it, a uh, as a psychologist, a social philosopher, he lays out a groundwork for understanding uh, the nurture side of things, right? How it is that a human being is constructed, how our mind is constructed. We're talking about the mind in this. How it is we know what we know. How it is we are socialized to be who we are. And one of the things that that I've gone over and talked about the most with me is, is the dogs, the gesture of the dogs. And I'm going to read this, this dog example that he gives specifically. He talks about gestures that we use uh, interacting with others. You probably notice gestures, you know, the, the revealing of teeth, the wink of an eye, the nod of a head, the gestures. But gestures are used also by, you know, more than just people. I have given the illustration. Now, this is me speaking, not me. I'm reading directly from the book. I have given the illustration of the dog fight as a method of presenting the gesture. The act of each dog becomes the stimulus to the other dog for his response. There is then a relationship between the two. And as the act is responded to by the other dog, it in turn undergoes change. The very fact that the dog is ready to attack another becomes a stimulus to the other dog to change his own position or his own attitude. He has no sooner done this than the change of attitude in the second dog in turn causes the first dog to change his attitude. We have here a conversation of gestures. They are not, however, gestures in the sense they are significant. We do not assume that the dog says to himself, if the animal comes from this direction, he is going to spring at my throat and I will turn in such a way. What does take place is an actual change in his own position due to the direction of the approach of the other dog. So he lays out this basic, this basic way, this basic use of gestures that we use to interact with each other as a foundation. And he begins to build upon this. Uh, he, we move forward. Uh, the, he starts to present a triadic relationship of gesture of the one individual. Now, this is meat again, and this, this is a little further on in, in the section on mind. There's the three basic components to, uh, he says, it is not necessary in attempting to solve this problem to have recourse to physical states. For the nature of meaning, as we have seen, is found to be implicit in the structure of the social act. Implicit in the realizations amongst its three basic individual components. So he's breaking down the social act to three basic individual components here. Namely, the triadic relationship of the gesture of one individual. A response to that gesture by a second individual. And the completion of the given social act indicated by the gesture of the first individual. And the fact that the nature of the meaning is thus found to be implicit in the structure of the social act provides additional emphasis upon the necessity in social psychology of starting off with the initial assumption of an ongoing social process of experience and behavior in which any given group of human individuals is involved and upon which the existence and development of their mind self and self-consciousness depend what does he mean by that the existence of your mind 
self and self-consciousness depends on this. Now, I want to point something out about this that he points out, his triadic relationship of gestures, uh, symbols. Triadic relationship of one individual, a response to that gesture by a second individual, and a completion of the given social act indicated by the gesture of the first individual. It's very dialectic. Oh, so we're going to have to talk about the dialectical process because going forward, things like Hegel and Marx are going to come up. But I wanted to just take a moment. So I'm putting it out there that, number one, I will note where it is, what episode we cover the dialectical process. But I want to take a no moment to point out that this is a dialectical process in a sense. Now, there may be a little bit of apophenia going on here until I've actually fleshed this out, uh, which I may not get into fleshing all that out in this because it takes quite a while to explore this, but the, I'm postulating, I'm putting out there in the world, that I'm looking at this interaction of the formation of the individual of, through the gestures and our understanding as being a dialectical process. Mead points it out there. And there may be some other people who have done that as well that I'm, I, I think, it, I think that I, I, I may find some more information on that here. I may have, I may have discovered, but we'll, we'll save that for later. Now let's talk about this gesture and this process. It, it, it requires certain things, these significant symbols that Mead talks about, right? The formation. You've got this interaction. The dogs or the two people are interacting. It could be a simple interaction like, like me telling my son to clean his room and his response and to what that is, whatever. If he does or does not, it can end in many ways. The synthesis, the synthesis can end in many ways. Now we're going to get into language, and I want to talk about language before we get into it, because a lot of people build a lot of very uh, elaborate theories around language, and people, there's some Marxists and others out there, oh, they just talk about language. Now, language is important to this discussion, because we're talking about society, and it is a tool used by human beings to communicate. I'm using language now to relay information to you, information that I got from books, through the written word, through language, through these significant symbols. This is the process here that I'm talking about, that I'm actually in actively engaging in. I'm doing it now. I'm speaking out the idea to you. You're taking it in. Language is a process of indicating certain stimuli and changing the response to them in the system of behavior. The mind itself is rising from the social process. You know, further on in the book, Mead goes on to say that our whole experiential world, nature as we experience it, is basically related to the social process of behavior. That's a, that's a pretty big that's a pretty big assertment there. A process in which acts are initiated by gestures that function and such because they in turn call forth adjustive responses from the other organisms. As indicating or having reference to the completion or resultant of the acts they initiate. That is to say, the content of the objective world as we experience it is in large measure constituted through the relations of the social process to it and particularly through their triadic relation of meaning 
which is created within that process. So the meaning of the thing, the meaning of the word, I'm going to, I'm going to break away from mead here and kind of bring some of my own observations into it. And one of the things that you may have heard me talk about, and I like to talk about often is Ferdinand de Saussure. I discovered Ferdinand de Saussure at a half price books one day <laughs> in the language section, because I like to read books and look for books and I was reading through this book where he talks a lot about language and how we understand it. And he talks about the example of a tree. Uh, language. We hear the word tree and we picture a tree in your mind, right? Like that's pretty simple. He he kind of paused, he kind of questions that. Like, 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 what if you're from Ohio, the Midwest? Or if you're from Hawaii, or if you're from Alaska, the tree may be very different that you picture. If you're from Alaska, you would be picturing this big evergreen. Ohio, some buckeye tree. Ohio State buckeyes. Or from Hawaii, you might be picturing a palm tree. They're all trees, but the image of the trees are very different. Now, when we get into concepts, like let's say a concept like freedom or, or truth or free will, individualism, liberty, those concepts are far more abstract and far more influenced by those around us and how they have defined those in your programming. And I'm going to say programming. It's, it's useful because the process of um, socialization is a, is a programming process for a human being. You can see this. You can observe this empirically. Have a child. You're going to have to teach that child just how to walk, how to talk, what words mean. The context of those words, this is the process, this is where this begins, this is what we're talking about, your development, but your development and your understanding doesn't just end when you start walking and talking. When I was 18, I thought I was the big man, I knew it all. I knew very little. I will say something over and over, probably throughout this, this uh, one of those things that I really appreciate hearing. Education is the progressive realization of one's own ignorance. As I started to try to look at some of these ideas and learn more about them, the one thing that I realized is that while I learned more and got more answers, it left me with more questions. And those questions that I'm more interested in in the long run. I'm going to go ahead and just reread that last part that I read to y'all, just to reinforce what's being said here. That is to say, the content of the objective world, as we experience it, is in large measure constituted through the relations of the social process to it, and particularly through the triadic relation of meaning which is created within that process. Let's say you were raised in uh, on the Mars colony in the year 30,000, and, and you, you know where the, uh, the feeding tubes are to eat, where food comes from, from the sides of the wall. This is a, a bit of knowledge that you have, but a human being from our point in time goes to the Mars colony in the year 3000, has no idea what these tubes are, how to use them. They don't know they have to be injected into the nodules that we have made into our stomachs in order to eat food. Why? Because they've never been exposed to that idea or the concept. The object of the feeding tube is a totally alien thing to them. To us, food is something totally different. But food is something totally different from culture to culture as well. Just here on Earth, right now in our time and throughout time. What passes for food in the United States in the 21st century 
may not pass for food even in some countries today or in the past. Petroleum derivatives and all kinds of things are pumped into it. It's not the, uh, the, the tomato that grew from, from your garden, right? So things change. The way we understand them is largely socialized. Now, the subjective, and then I'm going back to Mead here. The subjective, this is much further on, by the way. The subjective experience of the individual must be brought into relation with the natural socio-biological activities of the brain in order to render an acceptable amount of mind possible at all. And this can be done only if the social nature of mind is recognized. The meagerness of individual experience in isolation from the process of social experience is isolation from social environment should moreover be apparent. We must regard mind then as rising and developing within the social process, within the empirical matrix of social interactions. Like I said, the mind, the way we understand things, the way we perceive things comes out of this interaction. It can be limited to the social and material conditions and time and physical place that we are at will all impact how it is that we understand and perceive things with the mind. Back to Mead. The evolutionary appearance of mind or intelligence taken place when the whole social process of experience and behavior is brought within the experience of any one of the separate individuals implicated therein, and when the individual's adjustment to the process is modified and refined by the awareness or consciousness which he thus has of it. It is by means of reflectiveness, the turning back of the experience of the individual upon himself, that the whole social process is thus brought into the experience of the individuals involved in it. It is by such means which enable the individual to take the attitude of the other towards themselves, and the individual is able to consciously to adjust themselves to that process and to modify the resultant of that process in any given social act in terms of adjustment to it. You've seen this reflexiveness. Then, is essential condition within the social process for the development of mind. This interaction, this interplay, this consideration, seeing yourselves and your actions through, the, through, through others' eyes, you, you've, you do this quite often, more than likely. Your response to others, how it will be perceived, and things like that. Um, now, I could go in-depth on this for quite a while, and I'd like to, but I'd like to also keep this short and brief. If you have questions, I would love to hear them. Please send me those questions. If you think you can explain something or, or extrapolate better, I'd love to hear, because this is a, a dialectical process, like we said. <laughs> I will add on to what Mead said here as I go forward. I'm going to look a little bit more at Mead and some other thinkers, and we'll start to put these things together. But I think for right now, there is something important in me that I'm going to say is the crux of what I'm trying to get at, is that what you know within your mind, how you understand the world, we know how you know that. We know where that information comes from. That's not a mystery. We know where you get your beliefs from. That's not a mystery. These are things that we know can be empirically explored. And we can understand the social process creates the mind and how the mind perceives and understands things and how it interprets, most importantly. Now, Mead spends a lot of time in this kind of expounding in different ways than I do and will. I suggest 
to some who might want to get into these weeds, you could read Mead. Um, I think it's important to understand how to know how we come to the knowledge we come to, and I'll explain that later and go more in depth on that. But overall, I don't, I, I don't think that if you read Mead right now, uh, most people would get a lot out of reading just Mead's books, right? There may be other thinkers that you'd have to look at before you can really get a grasp of what he's saying here. But for the time being, I feel what we have presented, and I'm going to do a quick recap, the, what we have presented. Let's, let's do that recap now. So for the time being, I'm going to express a few things. There is a dialectical process. There is the triadic relationship of gesture of the one individual, the gesture and the symbol. Symbolic inter these these symbols interact. Symbolic interactionism is what they call it. To form knowledge, to form the ways that we parse through knowledge, we take these different things and we combine them in different various ways to explore the world, to make sense of the world, to survive, to create, to create in a social sphere, to create physically, materially. This is the social process. This is the crux of the social process, forming the mind within the social body. Now, I am not an individualist and I am not a collectivist. Because, as I will expand on that further as we go forward, but as we see here, the individual themselves is a product and a part of a larger collective. The individual and the collective do not exist outside of each other. And I will get much deeper on that as we go further, but... For now, uh, I, I just want to leave you with a thank you for listening. If you have anything to add to this so far, please feel free. I'm going to expound upon it as we go forward, and uh, we'll, we'll lay out some more basic groundwork for this discussion. I want to thank you for listening. I, I, this isn't being put on some of the larger social platforms for certain reasons, so I, if you think that the narratives and the things that i'm discussing are beneficial to others and to society as a whole you might not please share them with others there's all kinds of ways you can share things but hey you got to listen to this sally i know you're really into to philosophy and social theory and materialism and and, and politics and and all these ideas you got to listen to what this guy's saying go ahead and send it to sally but if you're if you're uh you know you think there might be someone out there you think a lot of people should hear this yes if you got some social media share it on there there's all kinds of ways you can put this out there and any kind of support you can give us if you you're you're stumbling upon this at this point in time i'm assuming you know where to find me but maybe not uh any kind of support you can give us would be helpful uh financially or otherwise uh, especially to keep this going on and, and i'm just starting to we'll see how it goes now I want to thank you all for listening, and I'm going to leave you again, I think, with uh, no gods, no masters. <laughs>